Hey, what's going on, day travelers? I'm Jason, and I'm here interviewing park rangers and outdoor enthusiasts just like you, getting their story and tips so you can be ready for your next adventure. I'm here at Dead Valley National Park, and joining us today is Abby Wine. She is the management assistant over here, and we're gonna deep dive a little bit about this area. What do you do here? My job is management assistant, which that title is horrible because it doesn't tell anyone what it is I do. Part of my job is public affairs, so talking to reporters and bloggists and answering their questions. I also recruit volunteers. I work on partnerships with other entities and special projects. That is a lot mm -hmm. to handle because <laughs> usually, you know, where I'm from, that's four different departments cram into one. So you're pretty busy. So Welcome we, to the National Park Service. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate time for, you know, you giving me this time mm -hmm. and to, to talk about your park. Um, so what is, so how large is this park, first of all? Death Valley National Park is 3.4 million acres. To put that in perspective, that is almost as large as the state of Connecticut. Wow. That is, yeah. So like when I was looking at the map, just like trying to visit this place, my biggest part, well, I visited here last year around summertime, and I was only able to visit for like 30 minutes because I was driving from California <laughs> all the way back to Texas. Probably you didn't want to visit for very much longer than that in the summer either. Yeah. Get out, take your picture in front of the thermometer, get back in the air conditioning. It was, I think it was like 110 degrees that Oh, that's day. nothing. That's not even summer. That was like springtime. <laughs> so how hot does it really get here? Our official record temperature, which is a world record, is 134 degrees Fahrenheit. That was back in 1913. Since then, our highest temperatures have been 129, which has happened three times that I've been here. And that's the official temperature. So your car temperature might say 140 or something like that. The official temperature is what's measured by the National Weather Service in a in a white box that's about four feet off the ground in the shade. That's where it was 129. Oh, wow. And. I know that like on mostly on the web and on Google, you guys are really known for like, you know, the desert, the sand and the rocks, but you guys get really cold here too, because then you guys just had a winter kind of like snowed in or something. Right. Well, what a lot of people don't realize about Death Valley National Park is that it's a series of multiple valleys surrounded by mountain ranges. So Telescope Peak's 11,049 feet high. It snows up there. And you were just telling me as we were walking over for this interview that you're really frustrated that you can't get there. You want to hike it. It's still yeah. covered with snow. It's way too early. Uh, but that's a great summer hike. And so our elevation ranges from 282 feet below sea level to 11,000 feet above. So uh, depending on the time year and the elevation it could be really hot or really cold. Hey, I'm glad you're enjoying this episode so far. Please give us a like, download, or review on any platform that you're listening on. This will help the podcast grow and it will help us reach our first goal of 100 downloads. So what is like the best time you would think for just a normal travel that doesn't really, that's trying to get into the outdoors, like to come up to this park, plan to come to this park. Anytime between October and early April is oh. the ideal season because it's not very hot. Okay. Um, now, out of that, I would say the very best weather is usually March and early April. That's when, if we have nice flowers, they're going to be. The days are long. It's not that hot. Drawback is we'll usually have one or two days per week of strong winds, okay. which might not be good for someone who's camping for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so for camping, do you... so? 
few things about camping. You guys offer tent camping and RV camping, all the regular stuff. What what do a like a regular camper would need to know in terms of preparation for this with like water and you know all the other necessities? Do you guys allow campfires here or no? Um, most of the major campgrounds have water in them and restrooms, so you don't need to bring water. But as far as campfires, it depends on the campground. So Sunset Campground, for example, is really designed more for RVs. So there aren't picnic tables even there, <laughs> let alone campfire circles. So that's not a good place for tent campers. Okay. But other camp areas like parts of Furnace Creek Campground and Texas Springs Campground, which is where you're going to be camping, those are really more designed for tent campers. So there are fire rings and picnic tables, and those are good ones to start with. Okay, awesome. Thank you for that. Well, the good thing about having Sunset is that because it is such a large campground, that if the other campgrounds are full, there's pretty much always space in Sunset Campground. So that gives people safety net. Okay. If you're arriving very late and you drive in and the signs say full on the mm -hmm. campground you want to go to, there will always be room in Sunset Campground. Just might not be the most pleasant camping area. Okay, cool. And for as the people that, the, uh, the visitors, what do you see more of? Hikers, um, um, people who like to, I saw some motorcyclists. Hmm. Um, are, are there more, like, what are the average visitor that comes here on the yearly basis? Most people are doing basically roadside sightseeing. Mm -hmm. So they'll stop and do short hikes, but not major ones that take all day. Okay. So that's the most popular thing is just seeing the sights. Yeah. Hey, I hope you're enjoying our show so far. And if you do, please consider joining our Patreon page at patreon.com slash days travel, where your contribution will help us with our research and put out more content. Plus, you'll be giving back to Mother Nature. It's a win for everyone. Enjoy the rest of the podcast brought to you by my contributing Patreons. So there are only five or six actual maintained trails with signs and a clear path. And everything else that all the other places you can hike in Death Valley, you're not required to stay on a trail. So you can go anywhere and that's amazing. But that much freedom sometimes is intimidating to people. So generally the hikes here fall into one of two categories. Either you're walking up a wash, up a canyon, and you just explore to wherever you feel like going. And then when you wanna go back to your car, it's downhill. So you're gonna find your car pretty easily that way. Or the other hike would be going up a mountaintop. And you just look and say, well, it looks like that's a good route. And then you start walking. Uh, one thing, because you are, people can do this freeform exploration just about wherever they want on foot, yes. not, not, <laughs> not in vehicles, um, it's always a good idea to make sure you have a, a good safety net. Okay. Because especially if you're choosing to do those more adventurous hikes where there aren't lots of people that you're passing every five minutes, hey, how are you doing, how are you doing, that type of thing. If you're going someplace, you might be the only person there. You should also be aware that there's no cell phone service in most of Death Valley National Park, mm -hmm. which means you should tell someone who cares about you who's not on the trip with you where you're going roughly like say I'm gonna park about five miles up this road I'm gonna hike up this mountain called Grapevine Peak and then uh, tell them I will get back to some place with cell phone service by 10 o'clock tonight and if I don't get back by 10 o'clock to call you then please call the National Park and tell them that I'm overdue and where I went and 
and uh, what I had with me. So that's a good safety net. Uh, also another good option if for people that are more serious, more experienced hikers, they also often carry with them some sort of a personal locator beacon. They're different brands, but basically they're small little devices that uh, some of them can you can text over satellite via them, but others all you can do is say I'm okay and I'm here, or I'm having a problem and I'm here, and you press a button and it communicates via satellite. Uh, so that's another option that can really help uh, give people security when they're going someplace remote. This is the first time I actually heard about that item like that. I need to look into that for the future because I am getting more into like backpacking hiking soon. So that yep. definitely that yep. definitely help. Spot is one of the companies in reach and Delorme. Those are the three I can think of. Okay. As for us, okay, that brought up. So that would be something to look into yeah. offline rather than yeah. us randomly chatting. Online. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just want to give Abby a big thank you for being on this episode. She will be on the next episode, so look out for that. If you want to hear a certain park or outdoor adventure, please go to www.daystravel.com, go to the podcast page, scroll all the way down, and email me. And I also want to give a shout out to all my Patreon contributors because this episode wouldn't be possible without you guys. I'm Jason, and I'll talk to you next time.